Baseball Money is Fake on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. State restrictions apply. Welcome to Baseball Money is Fake, a fantasy baseball podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I am Blake Meyer, as always, coming to you guys again. First time since last Thursday. Normally, we've been trying to do like a later in the week or earlier in the week episode, but been a wild ride these last few days. Enjoyed a little time off, but we're back. We're back. We're just in time right before March. Got to get a, a little episode in now. We got an awesome guest coming on later in the week as well. But before I get into it any farther, I am here as always with my man, Ryan Gilbert. How you doing today, Ryan? Yeah, doing good. It feels like it's been a while since last recorded. I mean, it's only been, this is, was our normal schedule for a while, doing Tuesday, Thursday, but long, long holiday weekend. So uh, a lot of time off there and done. Uh, yeah, happy to be back here, be recording. And we got, we got baseball games this week. I think spring training games start either Thursday or Friday. So uh, excited to have actual baseball to talk about at some point. And that's really when this season, fantasy baseball pre-draft season gets going. Because then you see these guys on the field, you see these prospects we're talking about. You see these older guys, seeing if they still have it. So it's exciting, exciting time to be a baseball fan. And uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoy the ride along the way. Oh, I'm so ready. I'm going to be in Arizona on the first. I, I'm too excited to even care how many days that is. Not that many. But I will be there watching baseball. I think we're taking in three games when I'm down there. Be down there for seven days. Okay. So. Should be fun. I'm going to try and record some of these while I'm down there. If not, you guys might get a, a little guest host with Ryan. We'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to try my best because I don't want you guys to miss me too much. Uh, but last week, we covered outfielders. We did it a little different. We covered uh, like the rankings and whatever guys based on the tier, their ADP tiers from the drafts recently. So we decided uh, now what better idea than to go into more some sleepers that we have some guys that are they're not going to end up being like top 10 position guys realistically but some guys that are going to way over uh, what's the word i'm looking for here they're going to kill it when it comes to their adp (laughs) like you draft them at 400 and they could probably be like a top 20 outfielder at their position so we got some lists together as always yeah i believe uh, this right yeah, out, I think outperform is, is the word you're looking for. They're outperform their ADP. So yeah, it's sleepers, ah, there we go. outperform there ADPs. Because like, I have a few guys on my list that are, you know, one guy in the top 100 ADP. It's not necessarily the sleeper, but like, I, I feel like he should be higher. Yeah. And just guys like in the in the 120s, 150s, 200s that, you know, could end up being someone you can roster for the whole season. So yeah, I guess these are like our, our mid-round targets like we did for infield, something similar to that for, for outfield. I'm excited to do this. These are some of my favorite episodes because these seem to be the guys that are more sought after in terms of like when you're drafting stuff, everybody can, anybody can draft Julio Rodriguez. Anybody could draft Aaron judge. Anybody could draft 
Ronald Acuna and like be excited about the pick. But what really wins your league is how you draft later on and how many guys you can draft that are going to outperform their position that you drafted in them before. Because if you just get a bunch of underachievers, then your team fucking sucks and you're screwed. But if you're able to find even just one or two guys later on that can uh, hell, like if you draft like the 50th overall outfielder and he ends the year as like the 21st overall outfielder, you're pretty damn happy because you just got starter worthy contributions from a guy that you got for next to nothing. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll kick us off here before we uh, do our do our break. Uh, my one guy below the top hundred ADP is uh, Brian Reynolds ADP. We're using Ooh. the NFBC uh, ADPs in this month of February. There have been uh, ninety nine drafts as time is recording. I think it was ninety eight earlier today, so that may uh, go up quickly. But uh, yeah, Brian Reynolds is at eighty three point seven two, as high as forty seven, as low as one fifteen. Put some, you know, right around round seven, and I, I think he's someone that can be just as good, if not better, than you know George Springer, ten picks ahead of him, Jasker Hernandez, who I do also like, but ten picks ahead of him, Corbin Carroll, Elor Jimenez, Reynolds. Just he's still in his prime. He, he had a combined his two last years. He had two years ago he had twenty four home runs with ninety RBIs and batted three three hundred two. Last year had more power, twenty seven home runs, fewer RBIs, worse average. We know he's not necessarily happy there in Pittsburgh with with the trade requests, but you know, I, I saw something today. There's reports that he could be nearing a contract extension, and the Pirates they're getting better. So I think Brian Reynolds is going to continue mm-hmm. to put up numbers, and he's going to have guys around him that can either help drive him in, or he can drive in. And he can get closer to that 93, 93 runs, ninety RBIs, hitting three hundred with a nine twelve OPS he had two years ago, rather than you know kind of the down year last year when they were trying to get O'Neill Cruz going, trying to be more of a transition year. But now with, with Cruz, Hayes have another year under the belt. They got McCutcheon back. I think Reynolds could be someone in the middle of that lineup that can outperform his ADP and be a top five round worthy pick. Yeah, especially uh, I think a lot of the extra value that you'll get out of him is if he does get traded. I did see the same thing about how if he or how he is like looking to potentially resign in Pittsburgh and they do have, I, I mean, they don't have a good lineup. So I got to watch my wording here. They do not have a good lineup. They're still the Pittsburgh pirates, but I mean, they've got Carlos Santana. They got Andrew McCutcheon. They got O'Neill Cruz. They have, they have some hitters there. So it's not all bad, but if he is to get traded, Every team is going to want to trade for a switch hitter, and he's so good from both sides of the plate. He is one of those guys that did start considerably slower than he ended. Like in March and April, he hit 194 in 19 games, and then in 26 May games, he hit 224, and he had a combined seven home runs in 44 games. So uh, he he started slow, but then. He ended really hot. Like last two months, August, he hit 271. September, October, he hit 283. So the real Brian Reynolds came back that everybody's kind of looking for. And he made some fairly hard contact compared to years prior as well. His average exit velo went up to 90.2 miles an hour, which is a career high. Uh, His hard hit rate went up to 42.9 miles per hour, which is a career high. The Ks went up a little bit. Walks came down. He had a, a way different season than he normally had. But it was still productive, especially in points leagues. I love Brian Reynolds in points leagues. He got a little bit of that speed. 
He can get on base, hits from both sides of the plate, got some power, and he's a good doubles guy. Only 19 last year, but plenty more the years prior to that. So it's going to depend what year we see from him this year, but he does have that that first five-round upside, like you said. Uh, and I think he missed some time in July uh, with an oblique injury. But after he came back from that, after a few games, of he went 0 for 4, for 4, for 4, 0 for 3. But after that, August 3rd to the end of the season, uh, he hit 281 with 12 home runs in 58 games. So about triple that for a full season. Pretty good numbers there. And yes, I, I think Reynolds is one of those guys that if he gets traded, it, it only helps because it'll be probably the Yankees right on him. I think the Dodgers too couldn't use some outfield help. So that's uh that's my top guy. And uh yeah, let's time to shout out Winbet. Winbet is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Winbet's active in a bunch of states, and there are tons of ways to win, including live betting and same game parlays, aka Winbet's build your own bet. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at Winbet. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, get $100, limited to state availability. And of course, if you get the biggest long shot parlay of the week, you get $1,000 free credit. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Once you're 20 or older and present, stay where play through winbet available. If you or somebody knows a gambling problem, call 1-800-522. 4700. All right. So, who do you have as your uh, top ADP here for your outfield sleepers or targets or whatever we're calling this? My top one is a guy that you teased me talking about last episode, and then I just didn't talk about him. Uh, Stephen Kwan. Mm-hmm. He is a guy that I just covered in my points league article for Fantasy Pros. He is more points league centric. Like his game isn't as conducive to category leagues and things like that. He has a little speed. Oh, I think he stole what 19 bases last year. So, yeah, 19 stolen bases. So, he got some speed. He hit 298, decent average, but he doesn't have any power. Six home runs, 147 games. But in points leagues, the man is a monster. We are going to have an episode where we dive deeper into points leagues because we've really been seeing a lot of things lately. Uh, you guys are interested in some some points league strategy and things of that nature, but he has a very, 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 very low K rate. I don't know how many various I need to put in there, but 9.7% K rate last year. That's second best in baseball. Behind only Luis Arias, who was at like 7%, which is nuts. He doesn't walk the most. His walk rate's about the same. But he had seven triples, which I think was third best in baseball last year. And in 2021, uh, in the minor leagues, he had like 12 home runs in 75 games or something like that. So there might be a little sneaky pop there somewhere. I don't know if he has that uh, power that translates to the major leagues. But there's something. He could be, I mean, even a 10 home run guy is awesome. Caught stealing five times last year, so he could steal 25 bases next year with the bigger bases, which I don't know if you've seen any videos or anything from spring training, like the practices and stuff. I've been watching a lot of the Mariners ones on Twitter, of course. The bases look bigger. Like just seeing them in videos and pictures, they just look bigger. So speed is going to be cheap next year, and Quan's going to hardly strike out and steal 25 bases. Yeah, Quan was someone I had on my my initial list here of about 10 players that I, that I got down to five or so but i worry if we're getting to the point where 
it's also just us biased talking about him. But are we going to the point where <laughs> when is Quan going to be overvalued at some point? Because everyone's like, oh, Stephen Quan's a good sleeper, good sleeper, and his ADP just keeps going higher. And he's not going to get power from from the outfield position. Which you know, if he's your second, third out, third outfielder, fourth outfielder, that that's perfectly fine. He'll get runs. He had 89 runs last year. Projected to hit leadoff again for the Guardians this season, upcoming season. And they did get better, I guess, with Josh Bell there at DH. But yeah, I think Quan is almost getting to the point where he's being drafted where he should be. He's up at 120 now. You know, if he, if he if you can get him 140s, 150s, which I think is where he more so was at the beginning of the offseason or you know even a month ago. I mean, I like Quan. I can't have anything really bad to say about him besides his lack of power. He, if you look at his baseball savant page, he's one of the best players in the league for you know great eye, walks a lot, best doesn't doesn't whiff, a uh, great defensive player. But his average exit velocity was the third percentile on the league. I mean, hard hit rate was the first percentile, barrel rate first percentile. <laughs> so he's using that speed to his advantage, using that contact. But uh, you wonder if that you know. Could could get unlucky. I'm trying to find his Babbitt from last season. I, I uh, can't find it there, but I, I imagine it. I was 323 last year, which he ended up hitting 298. So you could see around 300 again. But I'm not. It's getting to the point where I'm. If Quan's there a little bit after his ADP, I'll take him. But I'm I'm not going to reach for him. But I also don't. I also completely understand why you you have him as a sleeper because he is someone that people will overlook depending on the league. And for points league, he's he's fantastic because he doesn't strike out. I know that's a big negative negative factor there. He gets the walks and he has a speed, so he's a good all around player except for the home runs, which is where most people look. And if that's a league, if that's something where you know you know your league mates, you know your managers, and they value power, you can sit back a little bit and uh, get Stephen Kwan as a valuable, even second outfielder would be someone you can just plug and play there and get some value out of. Yeah, and I would like to point out he did have a very strong second half as well. Uh, in 78 uh, first half games, he hit 279 with one home run and 13 doubles. In the second half, in 69 games, nice. So uh, nine less games, he hit 317, 12 doubles, four triples, five home runs, and scored 50 runs. So I don't want to say a power surge in the second half, but I mean – my man five times just home runs and fewer games. So, but yeah, I agree. I, if he goes much higher, like if he gets closer to like 110 or 100 for his ADP, I wouldn't really call him a sleeper at that point. But he is currently the 29th drafted outfielder. He mm-hmm. could be a top 15 outfielder. Like I, that wouldn't be that crazy to me. So, yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. Who do you have next on your list, though? Yeah, well, just one more note on Quan here. Yeah, ahead of him, I mean Taylor Ward. We like Taylor Ward, but like Jake McCarthy, I, I feel like Quan's better. Sia Suzuki, Tyler O'Neill, I feel mm-hmm. like Quan's possibly better. Uh, next for me was I why I was I was tried to wear my bright red Phillies hat for for this uh, this stream here, but <laughs> way too bright. Uh, Nick Castellanos is the thirty second drafted outfielder at one twenty two, which is about you know tenth round and. Now, this might be a homer pick. This might just be me reading into what he's saying so much so far. This we love this those training, around here. But, you know, he's like 
he's he's he admitted last year he he wasn't focused on baseball. He just had his second kid. When he had his first kid, he wasn't in the majors. So he was able to, or it was 2013, so he was able to have you know, more time when he was coming to the league. But you know, there's a lot of pressure on him last year as the Phillies' big free agent signing, along with Schwarber, and he had that injury early in the year that kind of slowed him down, and he never bounced back from that. And I don't think he's going to be as bad as he was last year. Like even if he is a league average hitter or gets back to 20 home runs, 25 home runs. It's going to be a, a huge jump for him. He still hit 263 last year. OPS was way down. I think he gets his OPS back up in the 800s, 850s, like it was in uh, Detroit and Cincinnati. So, you know, I'll take Castellanos over Chris Bryant, Christian Yalek, possibly Quan, even possibly a homer pick there. But yeah, I could see Castellanos being up there with like <laughs> with Brian Reynolds, Starling Marte. Uh, George Springer in like the 75 to 85 range. So he's someone I'm I'm getting pretty high on here. But it could just be it's just a narrative homer play for me. Yeah, it's okay. We we love those homer picks around here. I got I got one too that's not going to surprise a single person that has listened to more than one episode of this podcast before when we get to it. But I don't hate the Castellanos pick. I mean in the second half last year, uh he played what 45 games and he hit 288 with seven seven doubles, five home runs in, in the second half, which isn't half bad for 45 games. Like you spread that out, that's a 20 home run year. Not crazy, but he's a year removed from a 38 double, 34 home run season as well, where he hit 309. So I don't think he didn't fall off a cliff. He didn't Jesse Winker anybody. He he went to, to Philadelphia. I completely get the kid angle. I have three kids myself, so I know what it's like having a kid and not being really focused on much else except for your kid because it's the coolest shit in the world. So I get that. He sounds like he's locked in, especially coming off that World Series berth. Mm-hmm. That that had to light a fire under him a little bit. Like you're not locked in and you make the World Series. You're going to be locked the fuck in next year. So I love that pick. And like you said, I, I like him better than Chris Bryant. I like everybody better than Christian Yelich <laughs> this year, I think. I don't understand yeah. his ADP, and I never will. But yeah, even Stephen Kwan, depending on the league type, I agree with you there as well, especially categories leagues. I probably like Castellanos a little more than Stephen Kwan. Yeah, that solid pick. I like that one. Uh, yeah, who, who do you got next? You got a, you got a big fall off after, after Kwan? A- another one where nobody's going to be surprised. A boy, Lars. I couldn't. I didn't want to talk about Lars again for like the eighteen hundredth no, time mean, on the podcast. We, but we have new listeners every episode, so they they don't know how much we love how in Lars we trust. Absolutely. You know what? You're right. So if you've been around since day one, you know we love us some Lars over here. He was one of our darlings at the end of last year when we fired this podcast up. We started. I think it, September sixth was our first episode, very beginning of September, right in the middle of his hot streak. And we announced that he was a league winner, and then he went on like an over twenty-eight run or something like that, which was just awesome. But he's been putting a lot of work in this off season. Uh, there was that video floating around Twitter for a while. Him and his his little boxer briefs in the batting cage, just hitting the ball like one hundred and fourteen miles an hour, or whatever the hell it was. He's going to go play in the World Baseball Classic. He has the some of the sneakiest power, but he's also way bigger than I thought. Like when whenever somebody says Lars Newbar, I picture like this little kind of like utility infielder, 
like kind of plays a little David bit Eckstein. of everywhere. No, Lars. Yeah, Lars Newpar is 6'3", 210 <laughs> yeah. pounds. Like that absolutely blew my mind. But I mean, last year he had a 12% barrel rate, which is double the league average. Average exit velocity, 91.7 miles per hour. Hard hit rate, 46%. And he walked just shy of 15%. So he did everything. He's got decent speed, too. He only stole four bases, but his sprint speed was in the 74th percentile. He offers you production in all categories, total bases, home runs. I don't want to say average because he hit 228, but a lot of that was because of that long stretch he had at the end of the year when he kind of fell off. But he has legitimate power, and he's going to get every day at bats. I just posted a little clip on our uh, YouTube yesterday. Uh, I had Lars Newbar in there, a little clip of him hitting one of the most disrespectful home runs I've ever seen, <laughs> and I absolutely loved it. So, yeah, his ADP is 181. He's currently being drafted as the, where yeah, Lars? 181, the 43rd best outfielder. There ain't no way that Harrison Bader is better than him or Brandon Nemo or Hannah Gray, I love you, but you're not better than him. Andrew Vaughn, ugh, not better. And he's oh, all the way God. up at 136. So, yeah, I, I think there's still great value at New. At 181 with Newt Bar, I don't think we have much more time of that great value because he is climbing the ADP charts very quickly. So he's somebody that you're going to have to take soon for him to still be considered a sleeper. Yeah, I have Lars on my list as well. And like you said, I think once these games, <laughs> once these games start and he starts, you know, hopefully lighting it up in spring training, he's going to be he's, – he's, he's, stock is just going to skyrocket and that ADP is going to get closer to 170, if not 160 or higher. He's definitely, I think, one of the top easily 40, 35 outfielders I would look at. He's not not 43 there for me. Um, well, I did have one guy ahead of him up up there uh, yeah. just, behind, just behind Nick Castellanos, uh, Anthony Santander of the Baltimore Orioles. So people might look at him. We talked about him a bit, I think, Ooh, our last episode with the outfielders, but you know, people look at his, you know, last year he had 33 home runs, 89 RBIs, hit 240. They're like, oh, that, that was kind of just a flash in the pan. But if you look at the previous two years combined, 2021 and 2020, he played in 147 games and had 29 home runs and 82 RBIs, hitting 247. So he's going to be one of these power hitting outfielders that, um, where he's at, what, uh, 20, 33, 33rd best, best outfielder by ADP right now. Like I said with Castellanos, I would take Santander over a lot of these guys that are just mm-hmm. ahead of him that are mostly average-based. Quan, McCarthy, uh, MJ Melendez even, Buxton, depending on his health, Sterling Marte. I think if you can, if you wait for outfield and you get like Castiano, Santander, and, and Lars Nupar as your two, three, four after getting a stud early, Ooh. then they should hit for you. So I, I feel like they, that's something where we're definitely going to have to have a, a whole uh, episode on outfield drafting strategy. But these guys, I think, are going to be people you can definitely target later than their ADPs. Yeah. And like we said last time, uh, what was it? I think it was last episode was when Santander was in the our yeah I think it was literally our last episode. Uh, that was like the sneakiest thirty three home run season ever. I didn't even realize he had hit thirty three home runs. He was thirteenth in baseball in home runs, which in category leagues that can't be that can't be overlooked because there's only I think twenty one players in baseball last year that hit thirty or more home runs. 
And so when you play, like especially in those category leagues, when power is not cheap anymore, a guy that's going to hit 30-plus home runs shouldn't have an ADP that far down the list. Like all the way down to 126. He's not the 33rd best outfielder overall because he, he plays well in points leagues as well. His K rate was 18.9% last year, which is that's a pretty damn good K rate. It's better than league average. Walk rate, eight and a half percent, better than league average. He hit 240, not crazy, but oh well, who cares? 33 home runs, 89 RBIs, and that that's a good Orioles lineup. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have Gunnar Henderson in there more, so there's gonna be realistically. Man, is Gunnar Henderson gonna hit ahead of him? Gunnar uh, might hit behind him. It's projected. I'm, on I'm, not, I'm not good with the uh, lineups, but Mullins, Rutschman, Henderson, and then Santander. And then Mount Castle behind him, too. That, that's a okay, solid yeah, top so, five. Yeah. So, I mean, that's three guys with high OBPs that are going to be up ahead of him consistently, realistically on base, too, because all those guys can hit 300. So, the, the counting stat possibilities are there. So, I love that pick. He, he's not the 33rd best outfielder. Please. Somebody draft Anthony Santander. Yeah, uh, and the SG Pan merch store continues to add new items to the store every day. Head over to the store to get your favorite shirts, hats, sweats, and a hoodie. We got some uh, great baseball money as fake t-shirts over there, as well as this uh, hat I'm wearing. If, if I don't think we're clipping this anyway, but this hat is not in the store, but there's a nice <laughs> beanie of, of, of a similar kind, and we're hoping to add uh, more as the season comes closer. So uh, make sure you check out the SG Pan merch store. Plenty of a uh, Good stuff in there, no matter what show or sport is your uh, preferred preferred show there. So, uh, yeah, you, you stole my – or no, Santander is mine. So <laughs> who, who do you have next after Lars? A name that I have only mentioned one time on this podcast, and it was probably 20 episodes ago, Masataka Yoshida. Oh, I got him too. In Boston, He's my next yes. guy. Yes, let's go. Oh, see, great minds think alike. At 196. Uh, I think the unknown factor is what is keeping his ADP down that far because, I mean, he's around guys like Alex Verdugo, Oscar Gonzalez, Whit Merrifield. All those guys are going ahead of him. Joey Manessis, which, I mean, he's one of our guys, but he's not on my list. But Yoshida is a guy much like Stephen Kwan who does not strike out. Last year, uh, where he played Japan last year, I believe. Mm-hmm. He struck out a grand total of 42 times in 121 games. So right out of the gate, points leagues just boost that up. But he has a little bit of power. I know uh, the overseas power doesn't necessarily translate that well to Major League Baseball, but he hit 21 home runs last year with 28 doubles while batting 336. And it came out that he is going to be batting leadoff for the Red Sox. Not the scary lineup overall, but he does have guys like Devers and eventually Trevor Story hitting behind him, uh, Justin Turner, and he's a lefty, and that wall in right field in Boston is like eight inches tall, <laughs> so it doesn't take a lot of power, even though it's only 5'7", it doesn't take a lot of power to, to pull a couple of balls over that wall. There's a very, very, very sneaky fantasy play hidden in there somewhere. We're going to have to see how it translates more in spring training, but he could be a top 20 at the position guy. 
Yeah, I think I'd rather take a chance on him than someone like Verdugo, also in Boston. Riley Green, Seth Brown right behind him. But that's just ahead of him, maybe I'd take, but like Oscar Gonzalez with Merrifield. I, th- I think, like you said, the unknown there is the big factor. And he's not just an average guy. He hit uh, 21 home runs last year, 20 home runs the year before, hit 29 in 2019. You know, I, I was trying to find a 20-22 ADP right there while you were talking for uh, Seiya Suzuki because I feel like he was hyped up a lot more last season than uh, Yoshida mm-hmm. is. Obviously going to Chicago, not necessarily even a bigger market than Boston there, but he did have more power, 38 home runs in his final year there in Japan. But before that, he had 25-28. He also hit above 300. I think, like you said, he's going to be hitting leadoff. He should be hitting 300. Sneaky 15 home run, 20 home run power. Doesn't necessarily have the speed, but he'll get on base. He'll, he'll get those counting stats for uh, Devers to drive drive him in. But yeah, he's not. He's going in around like sixteen right now at a pick one ninety six. So I, I love him as as a fourth fifth outfielder type, just to you know throw in there because his upside I feel like could be top thirty, top twenty outfielder. He's not going to be one of the best because yeah. his out because his power's down, but. Yeah, I think he's definitely being overlooked, and I wonder if his ADP will get higher because I'm assuming he's playing in the World Baseball Classic. But even if not, I think if he's playing, think in, so. yeah, even if he's playing in like spring training, like you're going to see him actually playing and hitting major league, major league pitching, quote unquote, with uh, spring training. But yeah, I think he's someone that that should definitely be higher and will be higher when we talk in two or three weeks about outfield. I agree. And I think you can't overstate how important it is to key in on guys that late in the draft, like almost pick 200 that are hitting leadoff because in fantasy plate appearances matter. The more plate appearances they have, the more ABs, the more hits, the more, the more everything is possible, the higher up in the lineup they hit and hitting at the top of the lineup in a place like Boston, again, not the scariest lineup, but they have potential. And so there's going to be plenty of guys behind him that can hit him in when he's on base. That was such an elementary way of saying that. But there's plenty of guys that can that come up with some clutch hits to score him when he gets on base, and he's a guy that gets on base quite often. So if nothing else, I he easily is going to score 100 runs this year. Yeah, and that is something I'm, I wanted to mention with uh, Lars Nupar is one of my kind of qualms or maybe why he's being drafted so low is that he is projected to hit seventh in that lineup for the Cardinals. You know, maybe he ends up hitting himself into leadoff role or second, but I don't think he has the average to hit up there. And he's not gonna. Maybe he goes. He goes to fifth instead of Brendan Donovan. I don't know why Fangraphs has Brendan Donovan ahead of Nupar, but yeah, if Nupar gets to fifth behind Goldschmidt Arenado, it just increases his value even more. Um. All right, you stole Nupar and I agree. So what do you me. got next? I have someone I feel like I might be stealing <laughs> from you. Here is uh Brian De La Cruz of oh, the boy. Miami Marlins. Oh. Uh, Someone else that projected to hit down in the order, but he has all the potential in the world to hit 25, 30 home runs. Um, let me pull up his stats from last year. I feel like he definitely just gets overlooked a bit because he is in Miami. He, he is 26, so he's not like the, this young up-and-coming guy, but last year had 13 home runs, 43 home runs, and 100, 43 RBIs in 115 games. Um most of that damage came in the second half. He had seven home runs in the second half in 42 games, six home runs in the first half in 73 games. Hit 310 in the second half, 877 OPS. So we figured something out. September, October, six home runs, 22 RBIs, 
388 average, 1.137 OPS in 25 games. So we That's figured scary. something out, or else maybe they were taking teams are taking the Marlins lightly. Who knows? But I think him down there, ADP of 234, 19th, 20th round, 55th best outfielder. Give me him as a flyer because you know if these are the guys that you know you you, you draft them. If if he pans out, great. If he doesn't, you drop him and pick someone else up. Yep. Yeah. I okay. So he wasn't on my list. I looked at him though because I thought about it. Because I do a lot of uh, card collecting in my off time when I'm not working my ass off doing all of this. And I'm always looking for kind of random guides that I can grab grab a couple cheaper autographs up before the season. Maybe they'll have a nice little spike in production. Brian De La Cruz is a guy that I have been keyed in on for the last couple of weeks. You can get some of his stuff for so cheap. Like if, if you like, I mean, little side tangent here. If you are okay with the panini baseball stuff i know it's not licensed but like the higher end like immaculate there was a brian de la cruz immaculate three color rookie patch autograph there's like silver ink that i think sold for like 17 bucks so cheap ridiculously cheap yeah that that september october for him is one of the most enticing things ever like i don't know what happened as we titled one of our early episodes the miami marlins are a dumpster fire but somehow in the midst of being a dumpster fire he managed to hit 388 with a ton of pop I think he's slated to get every day at bats for them out there. I know they have a real weird kind of lineup happening. So we'll have to see how it goes. But he is one of the the, the biggest boppers in their lineup. So I can't imagine anybody else really getting those at bats above him. So, yeah, I love that pick. Just based off that September, October alone, he's a, a 30 home run guy, which you yeah. look for that late in the draft. Yeah, and I don't have this guy on my list, but also a Marlin with power there, Jorge Soler. You know, he's had a, a few down years since, you know, going off with uh, a few years ago with uh, Kansas City, I believe. Yeah, he had 48 home runs in 2019, 27 in 2021 between uh, Royals and Marlins, I guess. And then last year only had 13 home runs, but that was in 72 games. So you double that, would have been 26 in a full season. I think there's there's some potential there for the Marlins outfield. But who, who do you got there with after uh, we're, we're going deep now, we're going into round 20. Plus. We, we are. My next is Seth Brown. Uh, I actually wrote an article for SGPN recently. That was guys I think are going to way over exceed their, their out overperform their current ADP. So it, it works perfect for this episode. It was very unintentional, but I had to add Seth Brown because I love the pick. Two years ago in 2021, he hit 20 home runs in 111 games, kind of burst onto the scene. He'd played 33 games in the majors before that, never hit a home run. All of a sudden, he's got all this power. Come into 2022, and he hits 25 home runs with 26 doubles in 150 games. So he played himself a full season. The K rate isn't anything anybody wants. He struck out 26% of the time, but it was actually a 3% increase over 2021. So his K rate increased by 3%. Walk rate went up 2% to 9% overall. Excellent barrel rate at 13%. We love those around here. Career high average at Velo at 89.2 miles an hour. Career high hard hit rate at 41.4%. The thing that he did, he flattened out his swing a bit. His launch angle in 2021 was uh, 
like 21 degrees. Last year was 15.8. And because of that, he was able to boost his average from 214 up to 230. Still not a crazy number, but nowadays you can hit 230 and be a viable fantasy asset, especially when your ADP is over 200. So I, I think he can hit 30 home runs this year. He ended the year pretty well. And so he has the pop to hit 30 home runs. There's not really anybody else in that lineup besides him. So the counting stats are going to be limited, which does hurt his ADP a little bit, but he's not going to end the year as the 50th best outfielder. Like guys above him, he's better than Alex Verdugo. I like him better than Joey Manessis. Like him better than Oscar Gonzalez. Love him better than Harrison Bader. And that fucking nerd, Brandon Nemo. Like, I love him better than all those guys. So, like, right there, he's already in the top 40. That's already 10 spots higher than he's being drafted. So, uh, I, I love him. I, I feel like that that's a great call-out. Seth Brown is not even someone that has been on my radar whatsoever for fantasy baseball. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, mostly because the athletics lineup is just absolutely awful. But he's, he should hit third there. And he has power. Like you said, 25 for months last year, 20 the year before. Average is going to take a hit, but when you're down this low in the draft, that's fine. And he had power in the minors, too. He had 30 home runs in a advanced A ball in 2017, 37 home runs in AAA. I know the, the Pacific Coast League is one of the better leagues for hitting, I believe, but still mm-hmm. had that power there, has showed the power in these two major league seasons. You know what? Maybe maybe, maybe teams take the, the A's a little bit lighter, and they... You know, they're going to be blown out, get the worst relievers in there. and He'll get some better <laughs> matchups. So I think Seth Brown is definitely a, a good sleeper there. And, and I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. And that second half I mentioned uh, in six, he played, so he played 85 games in the first half, 63 in the second half. In that second half, he hit 249 with nine doubles and 15 home runs. He only hit 10 home runs in that 85 games in the first half. So the power went up, average went up. He even stole four bases. Like he stole 11 total bases last year. So he got a little speed to him. Could be a 15 stolen base guy with those massive new bases. So he's he's a guy that gets often overlooked because of where he plays. But don't let that trick you out of taking a guy at 200 that has top 30 at the position potential. Yeah, that, that second half is huge too. I mean, 15 home runs, hit 249 in 64 games extrapolates out to 38 home runs, 89 RBIs in a full season. And, you know, as we've said this before on uh, on previous shows, but we haven't mentioned this year, is why we're so keyed in on these second-half stats because there wasn't a normal spring training last year. There wasn't the normal stuff due to the lockout, so these hitters didn't get the same stuff. The first half of the season was kind of their spring training a little bit. So looking at these second half stats or, or something to look at that they can carry into this season as they get a full spring training. And uh, hopefully someone like Seth Brown can, can help you win your draft. If you, if you get them pretty late, anyone else you, you feel you got, you got strongly about, I mean, I, I got someone written down, but I don't really need to talk about him. Uh, Jack Peterson, 239, 58th outfielder, 23 home runs last year, 18 home runs the year before. Uh, I think he should be helped by the shift, but the shift ban, but you can still, we talked about it last episode. You can still like move outfielders in apparently, and he's not going to be a big speedster. <laughs> but I just think he's someone that that's a, that's a big bopper. He's fun to use in a diamond dynasty, especially in a pet oh, yeah. So, so I like him, but yeah, he has power. That, that, that's about it. Okay. He hit so. 274 last year too. That's uh that's not too bad. What, 
very surprising. I think his K rate was down quite a bit because he used to be a guy that everybody was like, oh, he's a big uh, swing and miss guy. But I think he struck out in like 22 or 23% of the time last year. Not bad. I have one more guy on my list all the way down with an ADP of 300 and six way down what there. Div- what, what division does he play in? The best division in baseball, the AOS. Is he a Mariner? He is a Mariner. Is, it, is that Jared Kelnick? Is he down that low? It is absolutely Jared Kelnick. He is down that low. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ryan got his homer pick. It is somewhat of a homer pick, but not just because I want to talk about him. It's somewhat of a homer pick because I think I pay attention more to more Mariners baseball than 90% of the world. And so I have seen all of the clips of the live ABs he's been taking in Arizona and things this year. His swing looks so much smoother than normal. He has that September swing which was fairly effective for him last year. Like, I mean, he, September he, he, he hit a whopping 180. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we don't we don't talk about that though. But he had three doubles, three home runs in that September Kelnick stage. But the exciting part about September Kelnick was he had a barrel rate of 19%, which would have been like the fifth best in all of baseball last year. 44% hard hit rate. The issue with Kelnick is I mean, the shift ate him up. And he really struggles against lefties. So they brought AJ Pollock in this year. So Kelnick will get to platoon, which should take some of the mental strain off of him. He doesn't have to worry about hitting lefties because he just flat out can't do it. So just skip that whole part of him now. So now you got a Kelnick that's just hitting righties. He's got good power. He's got a smooth swing. I think I saw him go. He went Apo Taco off Diego Castillo or something like that. Just a decent major league hitter and real live ABs. The Arizona weather is probably helping a little bit, but you know, we're big on the vibes here. If you look good, you feel good, you play good. That's how it's going to go for Kelnick this year. I, all things considered, I don't think Kelnick's going to be like a top 10 at the position outfielder. I'm not going to go that crazy, but he, he is way better than the 74th best outfielder in fantasy baseball. Even if he yeah. hits 225, he could hit 30 home runs. Yeah, I feel like there's a few diamonds in the rough down here. You could get Charlie Blackman seems to always put up good numbers. I like Brandon Marsh as a uh, as a nine-hitter homer pick there as well with Kalanick. Uh, below them, Alex Kirikoff, Kirloff for the Twins. Adam Duvall there with, with, uh, in Fenway. Dylan Carlson could finally come around. Joey Gallo. I think there's, there's surprisingly a lot of deeper outfielders it's just a matter of them hitting the 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 one that you pick or two that you pick hitting so it's uh mm-hmm. outfield's gonna be interesting this year it is and i didn't realize alex kirloff was that low down there uh, that that's another very good one i i'm not gonna dive into his stats right now i'm that's probably gonna be thrown into a write-up of mine but he's gonna get significant abs in minnesota this year so yeah. he's not the ADS worst I, what do you even call him at that point do you call him the 80th best or 80th worst he's not the 80th worst because that's pretty low i mean still, the list. it's still 80 because uh, there, there's so many there's more outfielders there's more than 80 outfielders that's after him we're still 80th best and trent grisham and that sweet ass mustache is down there at 356 also i don't have the highest of hopes for him as i did before last season but i mean that mustache has got to be worth one war 
this coming season. That would be worth something. <laughs> but uh, we have done a terrible job at plugging all of our socials and things. So before we sign off, let's go ahead and uh, tell them where they can find us, Ryan. Yeah, on Twitter uh, at Fake Baseball is there. Um, we also have our link tree there in the bio. It's linktr.ee slash fake baseball or slash baseball money. I believe on YouTube we are fake baseball money. TikTok as well. Blake's been doing a fantastic job with some videos on there. Uh, hopefully, we get them up on Twitter and Instagram as well. But most importantly, make sure you are subscribed to the Baseball Money is Fake feed not just the SGPN feed, and turn on those auto-downloads. Make sure you get the uh, episodes as soon as they are released. And leave us a five-star rating review, too. we got the uh, spring training coming up. We're hoping to hoping to grow even more as March moves along, as we begin to March. So uh, leave, us, leave us a review, tell a friend, buy a shirt. Everything helps. Everything helps us grow. Yeah, we appreciate it. And like I teased earlier in the episode, we do have another guest coming. It's our first guest in a while. Coming on Thursday. Should we say who it is or should we leave it like a special surprise? It's a surprise to me. I, I forget. <laughs> we have Mike Curland from okay. The Athletic uh, yeah. and Getting the Edge Fantasy and Fantasy Pros with me. Uh, I've been lucky enough to get to know him over, over the last couple months. Awesome guy. Uh, big, big, big spring training guy. So we're going to have him on. We're going to talk some spring training, things to look for, players awesome. to keep an eye on, things of that nature. So it's going to be an episode excellent episode to kind of lead us into actual baseball happening yeah because that'll uh, be thursday but, and I, I think the, the first game start on friday so perfect timing oh i didn't even think about that look at we're planning it out perfect without even realizing it but we'll play it off like we did nobody <laughs> nobody needs to hear that but uh you can catch me on twitter at balake b-u-h-h-l-o-c-k-a-y-e and you can follow me on Twitter at rgilbertsop. And we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.